thanks, Ryan, and thanks, um, Partridge. Uh, this says about the author, Michael Dickman was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Um, so, you know, like Ryan said, I'll read um, a couple poems from this book, Flies, and then I'll read a, um, a full-length play about Hawaii, and then, I'll re- and then a couple new poems about um, some animals. Um, but this is... Um, here are the first couple poems from... I'll read... This book, Flies, um, it's... Uh, ended up mostly being a book made up of elegies um, to help or like a um, memory exercise to help me remember my older brother who, who passed away and, um, and I had these when he died I started to have these very intense dreams which I don't normally have you know I won't go into it but my dreams are often very b- boring or straightforward like I'll have a dream that I'm at like like for sure when I get back to Princeton I'll dream that I'm in Ebenezer Books and I'm like looking at books there and like that'll be the whole dream that's it and then I have friends who have these very often like dynamic dreams and like the ex- um, like a, an exciting example of my friend a poet named Michael McGriff who's a really talented writer once he called me and he said um I had this crazy dream last night. I said, what did you dream? And he said, I dreamt I had sex with a dragon. <laughs> and I, like, oh, I almost hung up on him because I thought, I, like, I would love to dream. Like, I, what is, you've had sex with a dragon? Like, how does that even work? It seems. But, um, but after my older brother died, I had these intense dreams um, about flies. Uh, the flies would come up, little flies, or they would be like big flies, like our size. They'd like get me in the dream they'd like wake me up and be like Michael it's time to get up and have breakfast and they would like put my clothes on and things um, and so these are just a couple um, those dreams were unshakable and so these are a couple elegies just to, just to start Killing Flies I sit down for dinner with my brother again This is the last dream I ever want to have. Passing the forks around the table, passing the knives. One thing I want to know is who's in the kitchen right now if it isn't me. It isn't me. The kitchen is full of flies. Flies are doing all the work. They light on the edge of the roasted chicken. The bone china. That's what they do. Light. I will look more and more like him until I'm older than he is. Then he'll look more like me if I was lost. The flies need to be killed as soon as we're done eating this delicious meal they made. They serve us anything we want in toxic tuxedos and shit wings. My brother and I wipe our mouths, scrape our chairs back from the table, and stand up. These are the last things we'll do together. Eat dinner. 
kill flies. You have to lie down next to the bodies shining all in a row like black sequins stitching up the kitchen floor. It's hard to do, but you have to do it. Quietly lie down and not sleep. We don't sleep. My brother and I work hard all night, sticking their eyes onto our earlobes and wrists like Egyptian jewelry. He is my emergency exit. I am his dinner date. Uh, and this uh, poem is called The New Green, um, which is also somehow about spring, uh, you know, somehow. Um, the New Green. To wake up every morning in the pines in your bedroom and have to shake off the green night lights is a blessing. I want to burn down the forest that's been growing all night in my brain. I left a note in my brain in red Sharpie. It says, don't forget the matches. Embers go flying up to the top branches. The house gets brighter and brighter. Then I call down the hallway to my dead brother. Then more lights. In my home, in my brain, I'm at home. The pine trees are beautiful and made of green needles. The pine trees are beautiful and made of green needles. I went to sleep, and when I woke up, I was covered in pitch. Nothing really happens to you when you're dreaming. Everyone alive is alive. Everyone dead is again. Through the new green, they come back. They can't come back, but they come back. The lights inside the pines are my pillow. I strike the matches on my teeth and light the needles. I strike the matches. I keep being alive. I didn't know that it would get easier, but it does. The rain softly through the last of the branches is your voice. The lights are my pillow. My brother is my mattress. My mother turns off the trees and tucks us in. And this is one more, uh, one more elegy. It's called uh, False Start. At the end of one of the billion light years of loneliness, my mother sits on the floor of her new kitchen, carefully feeding the flies from her fingertips. All the lights in the house are on, so it must be summer. Wings the color of her nail polish. I like to sit on the floor next to her and tell her what a good job she's doing. You're doing such a good job, Mom. She's very patient with the ones who refuse to swallow. She hums a little song and shoves the food in. They still have all their wings. It takes a long time because no one is hungry. 
At the end of one of the billion light years of loneliness, my father trains the flies to walk from one end of his fingers to the other. One fly for every finger. It's going to make him rich. Their brains the color of his brain. All the nerves in your hands getting stepped on at once is very calming like being a pine tree. Next, he's going to train them to walk across his eyelids. How to hide in the holes in his teeth. When he sings, and he never sings, we will see wings and brains. At the end of one of the billion light years of loneliness, I stuff my mom and dad into a little red wagon and drag them out into the ocean. Waves the color of their eyelids, beach glass. I swim alongside and tell them how good they look, washed in salt. They haven't seen each other in a very long time, so I wait a while before hauling them back, hauling them out of the underworld, the overworld, dragging them out of their mansions of snow. At the end of one of the billion light years of loneliness, my brother swims out into the ocean with his daughter holding hands and talking quietly. Flies drop into the water. His daughter was a fly for a while, small and black and gleaming in the palm of his hand. He blew on her gently and she woke up. Some miracle. He swam out across the waves, swinging her, screaming above his head, and looked just like a father. The new daughter. Her new father. At the end of one of the billion light years of loneliness, my brother and I set sail in a red boat. He is almost old and tired, so I do most of the rowing. The gods in their mansions are boarding up the windows. Time to move to a different neighborhood. We hold hands in the middle of the ocean and look just like a painting. His paint has just now started to chip away. He needs to be restored. Carefully now, my brother. Um, did mo some people get a beer? How is it? It's good. Are you, the cool kids on the couch comfortable? Okay, you're good? You're happy? Okay. Anyway, yeah, good. Um, I'd like to read um, just three poems um, from this book now that, um, or maybe two, uh, that in some way respond to um, other art in some way, you know? And like as a writer, I've always been, I mean, you guys must get this a lot, but very jealous of studio artists because you guys work in really cool spaces and then you like listen to um, like punk rock music on the radio and you have like paint and shit on your clothes and you're like and you're like it's cool I just like smell these fumes I fucking do rad shit and like that's that's my deal and, and then like if you're a writer you're like uh, you're like alone it's quiet and you're like <laughs> and then like you look up and like two minutes have passed by and you're like so these are just a couple poems about other, or respond to other artists that I, I like a lot. Um, the, f the first one is a, is a photographer, and, um, and actually the second one is a poet. So it's just one. You know, um, the, I know I have a poem in here for the, um, 
I won't read it, but I really like this guy. This guy is probably really boring to everyone here, but Barnett Newman, do you remember him? And how he worked, he worked his whole life to like make a line go from like this to go like this. And I thought that was so great, like to do as an adult, like that's your job as an adult. Um, through a small clerical error, I ended up teaching at Princeton, where I am now. And um, at that, uh, at the Princeton Museum, there's a there's a Newman that's like I forget which one it's called, but it's like it's the one right before oneness. It's like it's like this, and then at the very end, it goes whoop like that. And there's a sense like oh fuck, he's close, you know. Um, but this is a poem uh, that's sort of a response to the foot a lot of um, photographs by Ralph Eugene Meatyard, who's a southern photographer and um, took great and strange pictures of kids in scary masks and a lot of um, crazy stuff with light and things. It's called Ralph Eugene Meatyard, Untitled. Is the light supposed to do that? I put on one scary mask after another and then hung them in the trees where they shined like giant floating jellyfish. Milk-filled condoms. Your mother's face. My brother is hanging from the branches, hanging or swimming. Our t-shirts absolutely blaze. This is why we think God is white. I am shaken in the trees. I am smeared. In one wilderness, my brother wears a plastic bag over his head and leaps from the barn door. In another, there's nothing but leaves and needles. Light burns the water off the tips of ferns. It looks like a seizure. Sometimes we just sit inside the barn with no heads at all and hold each other. That's the best time. No heads at all. My arms around him, his arms, around me. The children are trees. My brother waves from the branches with both hands, a seizure in the solid green air, relentless resurrection. First, I put on the mask that looks like my brother. Then I put on the other mask that looks like my brother, my older monster. The light is puking pure white onto the ground. It can't help it. First, it cuts off your hand. Then it cuts off your arm at the elbow. And this is um, a poem that's, um, you just mentioned, I, I went to, uh, the first time that I went to Amherst, I went to the Emily Dickinson house. Do you know, it's like a, she lived there. It's her house. And uh, it's also now a museum, and you can go on a tour. And um, I had a very, oh, well, I had a, like, a, I felt like a profound, it was like a profound experience, like walking around in there. And, um, and then the, also I had, um, this doesn't matter, but since we're talking, I'll just say that um, uh, I also had a, a tour guide, and it was just um, me and uh, my partner, Phoebe, and we were like, look, you really don't have to bother. Like, it's okay. We'll just take a peek. And she was like, no, it's really, we, we do the tour. And we went through the tour, and then at the end, we sat across from her, like, as, as far away as, like, you and I are. And so, like, we're sitting here, and, like, you're the tour guide. And then... Um, 
to give us an idea of the of how uh, sort of amazing or odd or strange Dickinson's work was, she read a couple Emily Dickinson poems, and then she sang, she sang "Onward, Christian Soldiers," <laughs> and it was like. I just felt like I wish you were my mother. It was such an amazing experience. But when I, I'll just say when I walked into the house, I, I had a, um, I won't apologize, but I had a um, very much like a 12-year-old physical reaction to being in the house. And then we'll move quickly past it. Emily Dickinson to the rescue. Standing in her house today, all I could think of was whether she took a shit every morning, or ever fucked anybody, or ever fucked herself. God's poet, singing herself to sleep. You want these sorts of things for people. Bodies, and the earth, and the earth inside, instead of white nightgowns and terrifying letters. Here she comes, her hands out in front of her like a child flying above its bed. Her ankles and wrists held tightly between the fingers of a brightly lit parent home from a party. Flying. Her spine flying. Singing, here I come. Her legs pumping her heart out. Heaven is everywhere, but there's still the world. The world is cancer, house fires, and brain death here in America, but I love the world. Emily Dickinson to the rescue. I used to think we were bread, gentle work, and water. We're not, but we're still beautiful, killing each other as much as we can beneath the pines, the pines that are somebody's masterpiece. That was called Emily Dickinson to the rescue. I don't know if I said that. Um, oh, now I'll say now I'll say a full-length play about Hawaii. This book, my brother and I wrote a book of plays, a play for every state, like Ryan said. And um, there's a character who shows up in the plays named Kenneth Koch, who's a great American poet and also wrote a great series of plays about Hamlet. So every once in a while, Koch shows up either acting in or part of the production of a production of Hamlet. Um, he plays ha he plays all the roles and he does like the lights and everything in different states. Um, but this play is called uh, Kenneth Koch directs Hamlet in Hawaii. You don't see your father. You feel your father. That's the end of the play. Thank you. Thank you. I read an interview once with um, Edward Albee, and someone asked Albee, they said, you know, uh, how do you know if a play is... Uh, how do you know how long a full-length play is? And he says, as long as it takes for the curtain to rise and something to happen and the curtain to come back down. And I thought, that's fantastic. Like, let's write some full-length plays. Um, so these are a couple poems um, about animals. Uh, I've been... Um, sort of obsessed lately with uh, this um, 
English poet John Clare. Do you all know him, John Clare? He was a, wrote in the 1800s. He's an exact contemporary of John Keats. And, um, but Clare was a very poor farmer and wrote these intense, amazing sonnet sequences about badgers and foxes and birds and things like that. And, um, and actually, his poems about birds were so exact that um, this English poet, Simon Armitage, was telling me that he knows birders in the UK who refer to Clare's poems it out in the field in order to find like eggs and things, which seems insane to me, you know, um, and great. And uh, um, but anyway, I've been obsessed with him, and so I've been trying to write these um, poems about about animals. And then um, here are just a couple. Uh, one is uh, about mice, and one is about dogs. Um, this one is called Mouse Hunt. Your little eyes. Break lights and gray fur scrunched up beneath the house. Your huge balls and small hands. Your see-through babies still alive in the dirt, blinking those blind fruit jellies still alive. Your frozen nose searching for your brothers and sisters. I couldn't hit you with a hammer, puffball. That little hiss you make. Oh, look, you have a mother. Your whiskers in a storm. Your pleasure center radio antenna checking the latest score. Bumblebee marbles of shit. Your ears folded over like paper airplanes covered in birch bark flying through heavy fog. Your brain somewhere else altogether singing late into the night in the kitchen under the ruined linoleum, chasing the cat through the comet. Your legs ride a bicycle in your sleep until you stop. Your family curled up in the corner, eating themselves in circles. Your dreams rolled up inside the paper towels. Perfect teeth, silver fillings, and expensive new crowns. Your tumors dancing beneath the inverted black bowl of your crushed mulberry skull. Dancing like jugs of milk, lighting the way between the bedroom and bath. Your pure pink Pepto-Bismol on the bottoms of your feet. Last thing every night before bed. And this is a poem about um, sort of the do you know, the dogs of my childhood. Um, it's called Dog Vertigo. Some teeth down there, some hair and gray gums, some grass and dirt down there, some gristle and whimpers, all stupid grinning death running around the yard, making a little child cry from each busted grass blade. I had a dog. I had three dogs. I sit and stay. They did not disappear into the trees one day. Their brains were not broken coral on the street. They were meat. 
some grass and dirt down there, some teeth and ruined carpets. I had a dog. I had three dogs. I fucked fleas, all stupid grinning death, running around the yard, making a little child cry from each busted grass blade. Some eyelashes down there, some eating grass and mange, some baby's breath. One day, their brains were not broken coral. On the street, they did not disappear into the trees. Some sit and stay down there, some meat and sunlight. Their brains were not broken coral on the street. They did not disappear into the trees. They did not fuck fleas, all stupid grinning death, running around the yard, making a little child cry from each busted grass blade. Some bones and baby's breath down there, some bark and seizures, distant watery eyes. One day I had a dog. I had three dogs. Thanks, you guys.